Hey guys, welcome to the view from the front. Hope everyone is doing amazing out there from wherever you're joining us. My name is Stan and this is the November 22nd edition, the day before Thanksgiving. So I hope you guys have great Thanksgiving plans and are traveling there safely and have a good time with your family. In today's show, we are going to cover three major topics, which uh, American troops were again attacked in the Middle East by militias linked to Iran. We also are going to go in on several topics about Ukraine, probably spend much of the show covering Ukraine. And then finally, we will talk about China some. Now, if you're new to the show, a little bit about myself. I'm a prior infantry Marine, uh, been deployed, dodged a few rounds, left there to go to the college, earned a journalism degree, spent more than 10 years in the news business, and I've also written 12 books. Um, they're all super fast-moving, crammed with action, unexpected twists and turns, all that good stuff. So some of you may know me from that. Every week, I do three things with the show. I cover hot spots happening around the world. I attempt to unite our country, which seems nearly impossible, and I always share a few words of encouragement at the end. So let's just get to it. So I wanted to start with a quick little thing on some personal news. We have now we have now gone beyond 5,740 downloads. So thanks to all of you out there who are mostly listening, but... We're now increasingly going to start putting the show on YouTube, so thanks for joining there as well. And I wanted to share a reader comment who said after the last show, this comment came from Gloria Smith, and thanks for the comment, Gloria, and allowing me to use your name. Uh, she said that she appreciated that I mentioned that we should try to be kinder on social media, but that it's hard to do when people throw stuff back at you, which I totally get. And uh, I won't go too much into her comment, but I wanted to just share just a kind of a quick personal story in regards to that and what helped change my view. So let's back up a year or two. And I got into some heated rhetoric with a couple of super hardcore far right conservative friends. And, you know, we both said stupid stuff and uh, they unfollowed me, I unfollowed them. I'm like, well, that was kind of a waste. And then last November, uh, my mom got her cancer diagnosis. And as as the long-term, long-time listeners know, she unfortunately passed in February. But when I announced on Facebook about my mom, and my mom had said she wanted me to share it so that people could, you know, pray if they're the praying type, these two people in particular were two of the first to reach out to me, which surprised me because I wasn't even sure they were following me. But I guess they heard the news through others. And throughout the entire months of that ordeal, they did more than just offer words. They followed up. They did things. They did things for my family. And it just helped me remember that we let politics divide us. And we let people who, in the heat of the moment, say things that they really don't mean affect how we think about them. But the truth is, is that the vast majority of Americans are good people. And we just allow the political rhetoric to affect what we think about the other side, whichever side you're on, I don't care. Uh, but it really starts to almost get in, ingrained in us like a cancer or something and affect everything, our emotions, our mentality, etc. So as you're going through 
Thanksgiving and the holidays, this first set of holidays, just remember that there's you're not going to convince someone who's on the far right or far left to change their views. Some people just live on news. They have deeply held beliefs. There's no point in really even arguing about it. So just keep it on small talk. Appreciate them for the friend or family member that they are because they are good people. So that's my uh, comment there about trying to be nicer every week. I've, I've lived it and I realized that politics and also many political organizations, they want to divide us. The media wants to scare us so that they get eyeballs. Political parties want to divide us so that more people will donate and show up at the polls. So there are people who with big incentive to divide. You can't let them divide. So we need to not let them divide us. We're better than that. One other thing I wanted to make sure that I mentioned before we get into the news is, again, it's a good time to remember Christmas is coming up and a great way to support both the vet and the show is to potentially send one of my books to a family member or friend as a Christmas gift. Uh, last week, I didn't really mention them very much as far as the tops, and someone asked about that. So there's a series about a Marine Corps sniper. It's called the Nick Woods series. The first book is called Sold Out because the guy gets sold out by the government. And, of course, he has to go on a rampage to try to rectify the situation. So uh, if your friend's a military vet, that might be a good one to start with. Also, there's a series of detective books about a force recon Marine who becomes a detective First book in that one is called Takedown. So if they like police thrillers or whodunit mystery type books, that might be one they're interested in. Also have a western called Little Man and the Dixon County War, full of tons of action if they like westerns. And then there's a couple of straight up war books. One of them is about World War II. It's called Soldier On. And then I've got one about Afghanistan called Hill 406. So... I've been fortunate enough to have sold 70,000 books. They're all independently published, so there's no big book publisher pu you know, pushing these. So these are all word-of-mouth sales, so thank you if you've bought one of those. Um, and I should say that you know, there's thousands of reviews, and they all average four-plus stars on Goodreads and Amazon. So did want to mention that. Not the worst idea for a Christmas gift. Now, let's get straight into the news wanted to start by talking about U.S. troops in the Middle East. They were recently attacked again by Iran-backed militia groups. Uh, they actually fired a ballistic missile at U.S. troops on Al-Assad Air Base, according to the Department of Defense. It was, as I said, a ballistic missile. They are The Department of Defense says there was no serious injuries, but there were some injuries. The U.S. was fortunate in that we had a AC-130 aircraft in the sky. Now, the, if you know what those are, those are the four, they got four engines, kind of, uh, they got blades like the old Vietnam World War II type of planes. And so the uh, AC-130 gunships are relatively slow moving, but the Air Force has basically cut out the side of them and added a bunch of weapons, and they will circle above a target. In Vietnam, they were called spookies, but they were used a lot in Afghanistan and in pretty much every war we've had since then. So 
we happen to have an AC-130 in the air. These things are incredibly heavily armed and very accurate. They've got a 25mm gallon gun on the side, 40mm cannon. They literally have a piece of artillery on the side, 105mm. And so they circle sideways above a target. They do a circle and they just fire straight down at it, and they don't miss. You can actually see lots of video of them used in Afghanistan. Their precision is scary good. Again, back to the point though, we had an AC-130 in the air. After the missile was launched, U.S. troops quickly figured out where the direction was. The gunship got above the target, saw what forces had fired, and engaged. And the Pentagon kind of, uh, in a soft way, says that the enemy were resulted in casualties and killed in action. Which, I assure you, if you've watched any videos of these gunships, without question, they were absolutely obliterated. In fact, the Gatling gun, it's almost like a, it's like, it doesn't even sound like a, a machine gun firing where it's like da-da-da, it's just like, it's just like a buzz. Not a good day. Would not want to be on the backside of one of those. So, as I've said in previous episodes, I still think that Iran is going to control itself. It doesn't want to be involved in this war that's happening between Israel and Hamas in Gaza. So, But again, Iran has trained several militia and groups that loosely operate, sometimes at Iran's direction, sometimes not at Iran's direction. These groups will probably continue to cause a little bit of friction, but we have lots of forces. We have ramped up in the past few weeks, and it will not be a good day for those who mess with us. So we're going to get into some Ukraine news now, and I thought what I'd start, I would start with something a little bit lighter. And a person I follow on social media said, Describe your opinion about Ukraine in three words. I thought I'd read some of these. Some of them are pretty good. Here's one. Total victory, please. That's pretty good. Next one. Ukraine will win, in all caps. Next one. Shield of democracy. Yeah, that's a good one. Next one. Protecting their country. Another good one. Fighting for democracy. Another good one. This next one is just amazing. Independent Western Nation. Pretty good. Next one. We're behind you. Another good one. Next one. Incredibly powerful people. And then someone put tough as nails. Then someone put unbreakable nation of heroes. Another good one. Then this one. Never gives up. Very brave people. Then someone put together to victory. Another good one. Then someone put determined, innovative, resourceful. Someone put something kind of similar. Strong, remarkable, determined. And I think that was pretty much most of them that I wanted to share. But um, most beautiful country was another one. Ukraine will win. And then someone put, we are, or we're all Ukraine. So those were some good ones. So I wanted to start with something light, just to share that. And because um, some of the stuff we're about to sh share is a little bit deeper and heavy. 
And so I wanted to start with the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, traveled to Ukraine since the last episode, partly to offer assurance to Ukraine that even though currently funding through Congress is not happening, that the U.S. remains committed. And I wanted to share part of how the Washington Post wrote this up. They said that Austin's trip is intended to signal that American support will not be undermined by Israel's war with Hamas militants in the Gaza Strip. It talks a bit about how the U.S. has rushed Israeli forces, weapons, and other military supplies in the wake of that surprise attack by Hamas. And it talks a bit about how, which is true, that media attention has been shifted from Ukraine to Israel and Gaza in recent weeks. And so Lloyd Austin wanted to go there and try to show Ukraine that we are still committed to assisting them as they try to defend themselves from Russian aggression. Now, that's kind of how it was written up. It didn't get a ton of attention in the news. We did announce a new aid package that I will talk about just in a moment. I wanted to read, though, parts of the speech that Lloyd Austin gave because it's pretty good. And so let me just share just a couple of little parts. Again, these are, these are the words of Lloyd Austin. He says, I also met with brave Ukrainian troops just back from the front lines, and my message to them was simple. We will continue to stand with Ukraine for as long as it takes. We are focused on supporting Ukraine as it continues to fight through this winter and defend its critical infrastructure. And through this extraordinary group of 50 countries, we remind the world of our shared commitment to support Ukraine today and for the long haul. And I'm going to skip down a bit. He says, Since my last visit to Ukraine in April 2022, they have continued to fight bravely against Russian aggression. Ukraine has regained 50% of the territory lost since February 2022. And it was moving to see once again, firsthand, the resilience of the Ukrainian people who stand firm in the face of continued attacks. For more than 20 months, the people of Ukraine have shown the world the power of a free people to resist Putin's aggression. And Ukraine, I'm going to skip further down a bit, and Ukraine's fight for freedom matters to us all. As President Biden has said, when tyrants don't pay a price for their aggression, they continue to menace the world. Then he goes on to say, And none of us would want to live in a world where bullies like Putin can invade their peaceful neighbor with impunity. He continues, And we refuse to let the shape of global security be dictated by autocrats who rely on repression by force at home and coercion by force abroad. He's says the line that you often hear from the State Department, we've gathered today because we share a vision for a world that is free, open, prosperous, and secure. He then talks about that 
as a cumulative amount, all 50 nations have committed or and or provided $80 billion in security assistance to Ukraine since the Kremlin launched, and I like his word here, its indefensible invasion. And then he goes on to thank all these countries for their steadfast commitment. And then he says, again, another good line, our unity sends a clear message to Putin that he cannot outlast us or prevail in a contest of wills. And, that, and he continues, and as Putin continues his tragic, unnecessary war, he has been forced to look for support from Iran and North Korea. Both Ukraine and Israel are facing relentless foes who are out to annihilate them. And we see that Iran is fueling conflict in both Gaza and Ukraine by arming Hamas and Putin. Iran's support to the Kremlin and Hamas harms Ukraine, harms stability in the Middle East, and it affects the rules-based international order. This is a moment of global challenge. But make no mistake, the United States is fully capable of continuing our strong support for Ukraine, even as we stand with Israel in its hour of need. I'm going to read just a little bit more. And part of the reason I'm doing this is that none of this news ever seems to make it into mainstream media. And I'm not sure why, but I'll continue. But make no mistake, the United States is fully capable of continuing our strong support for Ukraine, even as we stand with Israel in its hour of need. So as Ukraine faces another winter of war, I urge this group to provide Ukraine with air defense capabilities to protect its people. But I remain more confident than ever that the Ukrainian people will stay resilient in the face of hardship. That's because they are fighting for their homes, for their families, and for their very future. And so, as we dig deep to support our partner, we must think creatively about how we can continue to meet Ukraine's needs. The United States remains committed to doing our part. He goes on to talk about a little bit about the security package. It was about $100 million, which is not super large compared to some of the previous ones, but obviously Congress hasn't passed anything in a bit, and they have mostly used up what has been approved by Congress to this point. The additional aid did include an additional HIMARS multiple launch rocket system, and that's got a lot of people speculating that it was potentially modified to fire potentially even further long-range missiles, no one knows that yet, but we did announce at least one more, and then there included some Stinger missiles, um, some 155-millimeter artillery shells, as well as 105-millimeter artillery shells, some anti-tank weapons, and some cold-weather gear. So I think that's the gist of what I wanted to share for from that speech, but again, it didn't get a lot of attention. Honestly, I don't even know that I saw any real coverage other than like, oh, the Secretary of Defense traveled to Ukraine, a hundred million in aid, Congress is locked up. No one shared the speech. No one reminds people of what is going on, that countries like China are watching what's happening in Russia, and that if we can sh continue to keep the international order together, we can prevent probably untold amounts of bloodshed from other countries deciding to settle border disputes or just deciding they want to invade another country we can prevent these things. And so 
it's kind of like a neighborhood standing together and saying, hey, that one neighbor on the end of the street that wants to have three cars in its front yard on blocks and burn, burn a fire every night with, you know, out of a barrel in the front yard while they take shots of whiskey. We're not going to allow that because it's going to bring the whole neighborhood down. So it's just kind of a similar situation. But I did want to definitely share that. I'm moving along. We've talked a little bit about that in the southern part of of Ukraine, as they have been working on their counteroffensive, that Ukrainian Marines have crossed the Dnipro River toward Crimea around the area of Kherson. Now, in the past, everyone's talked about it's dozens, if not hundreds of troops, but the Telegraph on their most recent podcast actually was saying that it is elements of three brigades. And we're talking hundreds and hundreds of troops, if not maybe a thousand or so, and that the bridgehead is four kilometers deep in some places, which is, you know, you're starting to talk about some real distance at that point. The downside is it is wet ground. It's marshy ground. There aren't a lot of roads. It is difficult to keep those troops supplied because there are no pontoon bridges across, so they're having to just use boats. But there are apparently some vehicles that have been moved across. Uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky has bragged about this. Has They've posted photos. They're really trying to get out the word about it. And there's a few reasons why that might be the case. One is that if they can push Russian forces back far enough, then Russian forces will at some point no longer be able to pound Kherson, which... Ukraine obviously took back much of that city, and so that's part of the thought. The other is that it might force the Russians to deploy some troops away from the other fronts, like around Zaporizhia, move some troops over there if they're worried about plugging the hole. So that's another possibility. A third possibility is it might be a political deal where, because the West and the media in the West has talked a lot about stalemate, that Ukraine is trying to show some additional progress before things get too bogged down with winter. If you've seen much social media footage of late in Ukraine, you will see it's very cold. Many places have snow already. Much of the ground, even not in that part, but on the other front, is very muddy. It's harder for vehicles to move, so we're already starting to get into that part of the fighting season that the West warned Ukraine wouldn't be able to do much in. So that rough weather has already started to arrive. So maybe one potential reason for this almost very flashy attention on this invasion across the river is that Ukraine is trying to assure those in the West that we are being successful. We are worth continued support from the West. So those are some possible reasons. All right, so we're going to wrap up by talking about China for just a little bit, and then after that, we'll do the motivation and wisdom section. So let's talk about China. Obviously, Xi Jinping met with President Biden last week. I barely was able to announce a bit about it before the last episode. The Economist talked about that the two spoke for four hours. They both emphasized that they had known each other for more than a decade They had both, since they were both vice presidents, in fact, um, that though they disagreed on many things, uh, 
President Biden said they had to ensure that competition does not veer into conflict. And then Mr. Xi went even further, and he said that a major country competition is not the prevailing trend of current times. And then he added, Earth is big enough for the two countries to succeed. So all of that is really good. They agreed to reopen military communications, which is something that has been very dangerous, particularly with all the dangerous um, and risky encounters between jets and ships. And so they've agreed to reopen military communications. That's very good. Now, one foreign policy analyst, Ian Bremer, mentioned something that I didn't see anywhere else. And he said that as a part of the visit to San Francisco, that top U.S. CEOs were there to meet with Xi Jinping, including from companies like Apple, BlackRock, and that they all gave him like warm applause, and it really made Xi Jinping's day. Obviously, China's economy is struggling right now, and so he's trying to boost foreign investment from countries like America to do even more production there. And so given that China's economy is in about the worst shape it's been in 25 years, according to Ian Bremmer. Now, I didn't fact check that, but he's generally dead on with everything that I've seen of him from the past couple of years. So Xi Jinping is increasingly wanting to make sure that the ties are warmer and that there's less confrontation. One other thing that's helped potentially set things up for success between the U.S. and China is that there's an upcoming election in Taiwan. And initially it looked like a candidate who was very pro, you know, free Taiwan, let's break away, was kind of in the lead. But that has kind of fallen apart. And so it looks like the person who's likely to end up winning or the or the party is more of a let's build our relationship with China. Let's not make any crazy moves in the short term. And so that has helped reduce some of the tension with China, at least in the short term. So did want to mention those things. And one other thing that was kind of interesting is in the past couple of months, the media in China, which is, of course, controlled by the Chinese government, they obviously can control all messaging, unlike in America where President, there's a free press and President Biden isn't happy with some of the coverage. In China, they can push whatever they want. And interestingly, The Economist in another article talked about that in the past couple of months, Xi Jinping has talked a lot about how America and China had fought together on the same side against Japan. And they also mentioned the part where Xi Jinping had actually came to America in 1985 and stayed with a regular family. This was back when he was a much lower bureaucrat who was just in charge of their agricultural department, essentially. And so how he enjoyed America and these people had been so kind. And actually during the visit, this recent visit, that family was flown out and ate dinner at a five-star restaurant with Xi Jinping, who they hadn't seen, obviously, for like 20 years. So apparently it was a good visit. It's great that the two countries are talking more than they were. As I said last week, with the spy balloon that we shot down, things have been a little rough for the past six months to a year. And so it's good that at least we're talking a little more and maybe we can just lower the temperature. And again, I, I continue to hope that China makes the right decisions on its future 
what it could be for its economy and all, and that it doesn't continue down in a path of aggression toward Taiwan and some of those other islands and nations that it's kind of trying to bully a little bit. We'll see. One step at a time, right? Okay, so we're about to do the motivation and wisdom section, but before we do, let me remind you, if you want to support the show, you can sign up through the Substack page for $5 per month, or you can do it through Patreon. It's a great way to support the show. You can come and go as you like. I don't even keep up with when people leave. I do keep up when they sign up because it kind of makes my day to see that, but I have it set up so that if someone leaves, I don't even get a notification. So I literally have no idea when you come and go. It's a great way. You can sign up for a few months. No pressure, though. It's just a good way to support the show. Now, let's get to the motivation and wisdom section. Let me get to my notes here. So I share these each week because I think all of us could use a little motivation, a little bit of encouragement. We all get beat down with life, do we not? So here is the first one. This was a well, it came from a tweet on Twitter, which I will continue to call Twitter. So apologies for that if that offends you. But here are eight habits for success. Number one, read every day. Two, focus on high-level tasks. Three, make your health a priority. Four, learn from people you admire. Five, plan your day the night before. Six, keep your goals in front of you. Seven, take action even when it's scary. Eight, have a powerful and inspiring why. Why is in quotation marks, but why are you doing it? Here's the next one. It's not who you are that holds you back. It's who you think you are not. It's a good one, isn't it? It's not who you are that holds you back. It's who you think you are not. All right, here's the next one. Strength doesn't come from what you can do. It comes from overcoming things you once thought you couldn't. It's a great one. Sorry, I'm moving down on my notes here just a bit. Next one is a quote from Bruce Lee. Balance your thoughts with action. If you spend too much time thinking about a thing, you'll never get it done. Again, that's a quote from Bruce Lee. Balance your thoughts with action. If you spend too much time thinking about a thing, you'll never get it done. Next one. Be so busy improving yourself that you have no time to criticize others. That's a good one. Next one. Surround yourself only with people who are going to take you higher. Another good one. Share a couple from the Bible real quick. Here's the first one. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. It's a great one. One more. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That one's from John chapter 10, verse 10. So two from the Bible there real quick. Now, I always like to end with this one. Be the reason someone smiles. Be the reason someone feels loved and believes in the goodness of people. So thanks for joining us on this episode. 
As I like to say every week, I hope you're proud of our country. I know it's not perfect, but I'm still proud of it, and I hope you are too. As you go through this week, remember it's easy to be divisive, to argue with people about politics. Anyone can do that. In fact, most people do. But as always, I want to challenge you to be a unifier. I want to challenge you to show love. If someone says something political that offends you, offends, offends you in some way, just let it go. You're not going to change their mind. Show them love. Ask them how their family's doing. Ask them if there's anything you can do for them. You can even say, I love you, brother. We may not agree, but is there anything I can do for you? That's how we're going to unite this country. Only love is going to lead to some form of unity. Only kindness is going to put out the fire of hatred. So be like a wet blanket. When the fire is raging hot, wrap them up. Help them put it out. Help lower their temperature. Some of them honestly need it. So uh, show them someone from the other side isn't some horrific person that wants to end their way of life. That's all they get all day all day long on TV, radio. That's all they get told. So don't be like that. Remember, most Americans are good. I've got to finish with two final things. I want to mention my books. And then I want to mention PTSD, especially for the vets out there. Again, on the reminder of the books, they're great gifts, great way to support a vet, great way to support the show. Again, as a reminder, the Sniper series about Nick Woods. First book is called Sold Out. The Police Detective series. First book is called Takedown. The Western's called Little Man in the Dixon County War. And then there are war books, one about Afghanistan called Hill 406, one about World War II called Soldier Own. You can find links to all of them easily in the episode notes, or you can just look me up on Amazon, Stan R. Mitchell. Make sure you include the R. That helps. There seem to be quite a few Stan Mitchells. Now, finally, I got to talk about PTSD for just a moment. I saw a figure the other day that veterans are at 57% higher risk of suicide than their peers who have not served. And we're coming up on the holiday season and the rates go even higher then. So if you're hearing this and you're having some issues, you can call the Veterans Crisis Line anytime, day or night, 988 and select 1. Again, the phone number is 988, select 1. You should do that if you're having serious issues. Or you can text the number 838255. Again, 838255. You can also call 911. You can go to the nearest emergency room or you can go directly to the nearest VA medical center. Doesn't matter what your discharge status is or even if you're enrolled in VA healthcare. In almost all cases, they will charge you nothing. So those are some steps you can take. Also, I have to say these words because I know there may be one vet out there who's struggling and thinking about ending their life. So I know you're struggling. If you're prior military, I know what you're going through. I know that empty feeling. It happens after you leave service. The loss of meaning, the loss of friends. And I'm not even talking about if you saw combat or lost friends. Even those who served in peacetime, even those who never deployed. I know what it's like when you get out feel like you've lost something, you lost a piece of your soul, you lost a mission in your life, and I know those voices in your head right now, and I know it because I've had them. So think about the voices in your head. Think about the defeat and the pain that's racking your soul. Why is that happening? Why, why, why is that stuff happening? So it's partly happening because you are great. You are actually someone. You were one of the chosen few who actually had the guts and courage and the 
just straight up heart to want to sac- self potentially put your life on the line and sacrifice to serve others. Aren't many people like you out there? And so the tormentor, the evil one, Satan himself, he's the one messing with you. So you got to he's wanting to take you off the battlefield, my brother or my sister, I'm telling you. So I know you've probably tried alcohol, you've probably tried pills, and I know it's a hard fight. I know seeking help is hard, but you cannot give up, and you know you can't give up. Back when I was in the Marine Corps, they used to have a saying that death before dishonor, meaning we would rather die than fall short. And so I want you to think about that. Whatever branch you served in, you probably heard something similar, and I know you probably have deep in you same kind of anger and determination to keep fighting so you got to keep fighting so you do not lose this fight do not make your parents or family have to plan your funeral like you need to think about that do not make them feel guilty that they didn't check on you that they couldn't reach you do not do the same thing to your friends who you served with don't be that guy or girl do not leave your wife or kids here without you they need you so I'm, I'm challenging you like don't you dare quit got a lot of other notes, but I think I've said enough. So I'm looking at you, and I'm telling you, don't quit. Always end with a verse from Ecclesiastes, which says, A good person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So if you're a veteran out there, or someone who isn't a veteran, and you know someone Check on them. B, two is better than one. Three is a triple braided cord. That's all I got, guys. So just remember, we all serve as the hands of God. If you're doing well, check on somebody. If you're struggling, you can call those numbers. It will help. I promise you. Thanks, guys. I will catch you guys next episode.